Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the outstanding actor Stuart Martin. I'm thrilled that he's came on today's episode because we get to sit down and talk all about his most recent project, Army of Thieves. This is one of the most streamed shows right now on Netflix and we get to sit down and talk about this in detail and what it was like to be working with Zack Schneider. It's an amazing conversation and we'll get to it in just a couple of moments time. But what I like to do at the start of every episode of Mark and Me is touch base and talk about the last episode. On episode 169, I was joined by the musical composer, Joff Bush. We got to sit down and talk all about Bluey, how it was creating the soundtrack to one of my most favorite animated series out there right now. The response was fantastic and thanks to everyone that tuned in and listened. I noticed a whole new audience come my way and I do believe that Bluey is responsible for this, so thanks again to everyone that listened. But today, it's Stuart Martin, and we hit it off straight away. Again, it's one of my favourite interviews, and I can't wait to welcome him back to the Mark and Me podcast in the near future. I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to me and Stuart talking all things film. So, yeah. Stuart, thanks for taking the time to join me on the Mark and Me podcast today. Thank you very much for having us. What I want to do today, Stuart, is get an idea of what basically made you fall in love with film. So let's maybe take it right back to the early days when you were growing up. Can you remember those first films or maybe performances that you went to see that made you want to be an actor? Yeah, I think I um, loved the cinema and I loved uh, my local sort of art deco audience cinema here. And I uh, loved the whole experience of going in and and the sort of like sticky carpets and this whole like dark void and you never got to go up the stairs to the Odeon one because that was always for the sort of massive films you were always down these little back corridors <laughs> into two and three and four you know um uh seeing sort of like I remember seeing Free Willy there I really distinctly remember seeing uh Jurassic Park with my mum and dad and my whole family and I must have been when was that? 96 Jurassic Park. Something like that, yeah. So I would have been 10. And I I remember where we were sat. That was in the big one up the stairs. That was in Odeon One. And I remember like being terrified, like running to the toilet because I didn't want to sit in the film and then getting into the toilet and still feeling like the walls shaking and the floor shaking. And I I I mean I remember just being terrified. And my mum clocked that I kept going to the toilet like when you're watching a film with your parents and you just keep going to the toilet when you know there's a sex scene coming. It was a bit like that, you know, with the uh, with the dinosaurs and the scary bits. You'd be like, you go to the toilet again. So I remember that and just loving it. And I, and I don't think that's really changed with cinema. That feeling of coming out of a cinema, having seen something and just feeling like really alive and buzzing and uh, not even emotional, but just feeling, I've always walked out of a cinema feeling a bit like you've got a bit of a spring in your step. You feel a bit yeah. cool or something. If you've seen like an action film or, you know, Fast and the Furious or something, it's, um, I've always loved it as an experience. Um, and I think my initial sort of real love uh, film-wise was was uh, probably, I mean, I don't know when Goldeneye was out, but, you know, a very sort of early 
Pierce Brosnan and Bond for me that then took me into this like love of Bond and going back through to Doctor No and all the Conneries. Um, and I, I sort of was obsessed with Bond as a kid. And then that sort of like that, that, that sort of fanned out into, um, you know, loving um, the Mission Impossibles and all those films and sort of your big action films and swordfish and stuff at, at, um, at the time when I was young. So yeah, that's where it's it started. A big trend here with those big kind of action, loud explosions, good stunts, special effects, yeah. entertainment. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that as a sort of as a cinema experience, especially when you're that age, when you're like 16, 17, and you want to be um entertained. And I think it goes for the same for like when I go and see a, a play or theatre I kind of I don't know I love coming out after your two hours and feeling like you've had the big music you've had a big stunt piece you've had a big score um I mean the same time when I was sort of 17 I I, I had a real love for you know 15 16 17 and as I started going to college and actually sort of taking an interest in acting I had a real love for British indies which I think was because at the same time um, you know, you had Train Spot and you had Shallow Grave, um, Twin Town, all that sort of like mid nineties amazing British films with these incredible sort of performances, uh, you know, quite theatrical or stylized yeah. performances, but in, in brilliant, gritty British films. So then I, that was the sort of two <laughs> British indie, which I loved, um, and and those big sort of nineties Hollywoody things, you know. I mean, you've got those films you've mentioned in the mid-90s, stuff like the Bond films and Jurassic Park, which are just incredible blockbusters and they're iconic for a reason. But yeah, you remember the time when you stepped back and were actually starting to really appreciate the acting in it, not just the explosions or the actual cinema experience, but you thought, actually, this is something that someone's job. It isn't just as Hollywood big thing on a screen. It's something that I could probably one day get involved in. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that all the films that I I loved as a kid and still go on to love have to and all and all the best films, and especially like Spielberg's and you know Pierce Brosnan as, as Bond and those films, they all the acting does have a real basis in reality and is authentic. And you know, I think the ones that I don't and didn't love are the ones that were just the big smash bangs and actually, you know, the performances weren't, didn't feel rooted in anything, you know, like stuff like Swordfish is, you just got incredible performances through that, um, you know, from, from, from Hugh Jackman and, all, you know, all, all the guys in that and Halle Berry, but you've got everything there. So you've still got these really authentic performances. Um, so I think I've always, that's, and, you know, now it has to be, and when you're doing those things, you have to base it in reality. And when you're doing the big stunt pieces, you have to sort of plot through it and and go, well, what's what's the truth here? And it really informs you as well as an actor. You know, in in Army of Thieves, we there was a whole section where something happens in the second heist, and the decision that you make early on as an actor of 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 what happens to your character in that action sequence whether they've been shot or they've got a, their legs been hit or whatever it is or they've jumped into the in front of a car or whatever then that then informs the next hour of the film and the performance that you do out of shot so there was stuff that we changed about my character and what he goes through 
And we added in these pieces, me and Matthias, when, you know, we'd go home at night and we'd be messaging each other and going, hey, man, wouldn't this be funny if he's, you know, Brad, my character, if he's this, this is affected from there. And because he's got that, he's doing this. So you choose those those sort of um, um, responses to what's happened. And yeah. I, I love that part of it, treating those um, characters or those sorts of films, which you might go, it's an action film, it's a heist film, but but treating the characters and the acting as if you're doing an indie film. Um, which Matthias is, you know, we we spent three weeks um, doing improvisations and all these sorts of things that that you wouldn't normally do for that film. Um, so yeah, I love that treating it as if you're doing an indie or as if you're doing a play or as if you're doing like a big emotional piece. Taking that into those films, I think, is really important. So, at what point was it that you thought to yourself you can go all out and make a career out of acting because? you know, to talk to your family and say, well, I'm going to go off and be an actor. You know, some parents' fear is like, well, that's fine, son, but you need to get a real job, something to fall back on. Yeah. You know, are you really going to go out there and make it and be the next big thing? What was that kind of moment where you thought to yourself, it needs to be all or nothing? I mean, 100% that was my parents' uh, rightful sort of response. And and I and that that's totally right. We were, you know, in the, it's the late 90s and I'm in a, little sort of Scottish town and um, we didn't know any actors it wasn't a thing I mean my parents are are both um they were both doctors and and they used to take us up to Glasgow and see play, uh, uh, you know the big musicals or whatever when they came into town once a year um and we always went to the pantomime so I loved that big scale theatre the music and the and and you know the lights and all that I I loved it and they love it and loved it but you know, it was it wouldn't be their first um, jump to. So exactly what you said, you know, when you say, I'm going to be an actor. And I sort of remember mentioning it or having a love, and then you, you know, had a love for films. And I sort of mentioned it when I was 14. And and then that was kind of, you know, oh, don't be silly. And then I sort of remember mentioning it to a teacher at school and don't be silly. And then it sort of got to sort of 17 and I, I wasn't great at school. Um, a terrible grades, but my, my parents, God bless them, made me stay in, uh, which was, you know, totally right. And stay in school till I was uh, 17. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kept coming back to this thing. I want to be an actor, but, you know, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't, you know, know how to, to get into that. So it wasn't until then that I sort of did uh, a school show. I couldn't sing. So I just tried to go for a part that, I, you know, didn't have to sing in. Um, and I sort of just had to had to do it, I'd go against all my um, insecurities about it and go, you just got to do it. So it was probably about there, um, you know, but my my uh, parents were brilliant because they sort of, they, they were, you know, very much wanted me to get a trade and to do that. So I sort of did it off my own back and says, look, I'm going to go to college. I've got a place at um, that Langside College, which was a sort of post um, post school college. Yeah. So I went there and they were brilliant. You know, they said, look, we'll help you out. But certainly they weren't going, come on, let's do it. But nobody was at that time. You know, you said to a careers advisor, I want to be an actor. And they went, don't be daft. Yeah. What about this? You know, there was no sort of guidance on it. I don't want to say it was the early days of internet because it definitely wasn't. But, you know, it wasn't on your phone. It was a bit like, you could, you know what I mean? It was, yeah, you're talking, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not far off your age, so I mean, you pretty much grew exactly. up at the times, and uh, you know, they're, they're what you'd just be laughed at if you said you wanted to be in a band or you wanted to be an actor or something that wasn't academic. They were like, totally. Really? Like, you, you, I don't think there was a box when we had the school assistant come in and talk about careers. It was a lawyer or a businessman or a finance manager. I don't even exactly. think there's a box for an actor or a musician. No. And it would be like, well, you go and do a media course, you know? Yeah for any of those things but um i sort of always have felt and and now i feel more strongly that you know you should go and do those things when you're young those should be the time that you should do them and if they don't work out you know don't don't i don't want to say don't have a fallback but you know worry about your fallback in a few years time i feel like when you're 17 18 those are the times 1920 you, you should be going and doing those things those are the times you should be having a band the times that you should sort of you know have a have a part-time job and be trying those things out yeah. whatever they might be working in uh, as a runner and, and trying to get experience to become a producer you know I'm not but if you go right I'm going to do my fallback but the time you're you then become comfortable because you have a secure job or you have a secure wage and you have all the things that go with that. Whereas there's nothing better, I feel, than, than going, this is the time to do it. Everyone's on the same. Nobody's got any money at this age. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out and I need to do something else or I go, I don't like this life. I don't like the fact that you've got to have time off and you're always trying to get a job. And then the time you get a job, it lasts for three months and then you're back trying to get another job. If You know, if you decide that, then you're only 24, you can go and, I mean, even if you're 34, this is, you're never too late to go and 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 uh, you know go to uni then and uh, whatever you want. I think that's the way. And I also think now it's so different because you know, are there jobs for life anymore? Also, why would you want a job for life? Exactly. If, if you know, if you become, if I become bored with this job and I don't have the same incredible passion for it that I have now, uh, you know, in 10 years, then I'll go. Okay, what's you know, how do we shift this? I think that's the way for me and what I would sort of say to my kids um, to go about it. And I totally get our parents of that generation. Yeah. It was all about security. It was all about uh, safety. And, and that's just what we understood. But there's nothing better than fighting against that, I think. And it, it shows to you that you really want to do it. Definitely. And, you know, there's a big difference of someone saying they want to do it to actually going out and putting up and getting over those hurdles that prevent you doing it you know there's so many yeah. people that want to be an actor but there's a difference of actually then going all out and you just touched base and talked about you know working on your most recent project army of fees now you know at the moment everyone's building up because we've got zach schneider tweeting out and telling everyone it's only just over a week away how did this project come about for you because it's not a real small one this is netflix probably one of the biggest productions of their year people are going to be all over the internet talking about it next week and it's going to just blow up we've had squid game at the moment that everyone's going crazy for and i think this is going to be the next one that people are going to be just absolutely raving about you know it would be so lovely if um if people you know watch it and love it as much as we do because it's it's a really special project and it's it came about you know i have been i mean zach snyder is like my hero man you know yeah. there's I, I i've had a, a you know you've got a couple of heroes and um he he was one of them i mean i remember seeing every single one of his films i remember which cinema i saw his films in 
Um, I remember seeing 300 for the first time and that feeling of like, just awe. I, I mean, it was so different. It was like, what is this? I mean, yeah. genuinely, I hadn't seen anything like it. Watchmen, which is still... Masterpiece. I mean, it's, it is a masterpiece. It was before its time. It was a decade yeah. before its time. We've now got stuff like The Boys, but Watchmen is so... I don't want to say it's underrated because it, it just came 10 years before people were doing that. I was going to say, imagine it coming out now while everyone's oh going insane God. for Avengers and oh. all DC stuff. Imagine now it came out in the cinema. It would be just phenomenal. Well, exactly. This is where it, it, it now sits, but we didn't quite... I don't think we had the Avengers and stuff then in that. We no. might have had X-Men, but we didn't have... Not the Yeah, and that's... Now. That's what we are going to, I feel, start having now is this, um, you know, anti, uh, um, um, anti sort of superhero and which we have with the boys and, and all those things. But anyway, he's, he's incredible. And his Man of Steel, incredible. Yeah. I remember seeing that in L.A. at Universal Studios. And uh, anyway, so when it came in, it's, you know, as as is always the way it um it comes in as a as a, a an email from your uh, agent, and we were right in the middle of. I feel like we were in the middle. We were in the middle of a lockdown, yeah. so we had all been putting these tapes out. You know, actors have been putting tapes out, and every part of the profession, casting directors have been putting tapes out, producers, directors have been putting stuff out, but no one quite knew when stuff was going to get made. Our profession, like a lot of professions, had three months shut down. We didn't know when we were going to go back, so. Um, it wasn't long after that. It was probably after the uh, summer and we were uh, in, in a, a lockdown and this tape came in and I was going, well, okay. And it says Zack Snyder and I'm going, okay. Uh, we hadn't seen Army of, of the Dead yet. Um, it, was, it hadn't long wrapped actually uh, and was being edited. So it came in, I set off a, a tape with a couple of scenes um, and two days later I got a call to say you got the job that afternoon Matthias called me and I remember I had I just taken I just gone out for a walk uh, and I, I, I got a call from Matthias and he was like Woo! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> screaming down the phone to me man and he's he's the most incredible you got to chat to him man he's the most incredible filmmaker um actor i mean you've seen his stuff and his performances yeah. but as a director uh he's amazing but as a human being and a sort of leader and a sort of producer um and just a sort of human being and somebody to work with he's incredible i mean his passion his sort of um how he sort of instills you with confidence and love and i mean he's quite amazing so we just chatted for an hour about how fucking excited we were, how buzzing we were, because we're both massive Zack Snyder fans, and he's got very similar love of films as I do from from you know youth. So yeah, we just chatted for an hour, and he was so excited, and you know, so that's how it kind of came about. And then we went off to Prague. We went there in the lockdown, and we and we shot the film in a in a lockdown for three months. So there was none of the normal flying home uh, and seeing family, which made it all a bit crazy, but we were in a lockdown. So that was the way it had to be. And um, we didn't go to any restaurants, we didn't go to any bars. As Prague opened up a little bit for a week here or a week there, you would be like walking by, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> like rain going down the window of a wow. restaurant and a little sort of tear running down your face because we just couldn't really do that. We couldn't risk it. 
so we were totally, you know, in this bubble and, um, and, and we shot the film and it, and it's sort of gone from, you know, exciting thing to more exciting thing with what we, what we were shooting on, on at the time was so exciting. And then we had sort of Zach's stunt director, Matt Rugetti, who's done amazing stuff. He came in and we were using him for these amazing action sequences. And then we sort of, uh, found out that um, Hans Zimmer was going to be doing the music. So that was just like, you That's know, so it's been a really... For anyone, isn't it? He, he is, the for me, the apps, him and sort of John Williams, like the gods. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's an absolute god. Yeah. I mean, he really is. And you, and you like, I, I love, uh, you know, soundtracks and I love soundtrack music. And if you listen to his stuff comparatively to other similar people you really hear what makes him Hans Zimmer and it's these genius themes the character themes that he has that he then sprinkles in later I mean he did the music for Bond and there's a final sort of uh, or near the end there's like a seven minute song that you should listen to once you once you've seen it and it's incredible man I've listened to it 70 times going it's just such a beautiful piece of music and how he threads those themes back in. Um, so yeah, to have him doing the music, I was just like, I mean, you literally go, it's sort of, it's sort of unbelievable to me. And, and I feel a bit like, do you know what? If this is all I get to do, yeah. if this is it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm yeah. like, this is it. I'm, I'm cool. Like you sort of, so, um, you sort of almost, I feel like you're trying to make, you make things to make your 14 year old self happy. And this is the sort of film that my 14 year old self would go, oh, I like that, you know? So I, I feel like that that's been a bit of a dream of mine. And yeah. That, no one can change that IMDb page either. Your name's there. You've got it up against, you know, hands and everyone else. Like no one can well, take that just, away. Let's from... just hope they like it. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't like it, you can take it away. Get yeah, <laughs> delete, delete, delete. That's no, I mean, I feel it. very confident in this film. I, I, and actually, do you know what? I, I know people will will love it because it's such a lovely film that Matthias has made. But you're also you're kind of making them for yourself in a way. You can only, and the same with the characters, you can only do it for yourself. You can't yeah. you want to please everyone. Um, so you know, people have their opinions on it, and I'm very cool with that. You know. So now this is kind of under wraps and. For you, you've completed it and it's just ready to go out there for the big world and we'll then start seeing the reviews. What's what's next for you after that? Because obviously this is a hell of a big one and, you know, even though it's wrapped and all done, you'll see all the attention and the media reviews and everything, but you must already have your kind of next sort of maybe year or two in your head planned out. Not really, because we, we I mean, right now I'm currently in isolation. Yeah in uh in uh in uh, belgrade because we're, we're filming um our tv show called miss scarlet and the duke which we did pre-pandemic and then we were meant to go back to ireland to uh to finish that but um it, it was just crazy with pandemic so we've come to serbia and we're filming it there um but you know we're still in this world where we've got the the positive we get tested three times a week so you get a positive case and as the world cracks on and continues on we have to shut down um, and isolate. And, you know, so it's still a bit crazy and, it, and, it, and it, it adds a big, it adds a really big weight actually to doing jobs 
because you have to go, you know, I, I would normally be home every weekend. I'd be away from my family for five days. But right now, what you're kind of being asked to do um, is, you know, just be away for, for three months, five months, you know. And it's it's so it really adds a, a much bigger weight to what do you want to do? Um, you know, when do you want to go back to work? How long, you know, how, you need to be back in the time of the family. Yeah, but also, we're just all sort yeah. of, yeah, it, it is. And I, I hope it changes. I hope, you know, but as, you know, because we test three times a week and the, as life cracks back, you're going to get positive cases. So it's sort of hopefully next year will change and we can continue as normal like every other profession. But right now we're still uh, sort of, uh, yeah, we have that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, the, the idea that... Um, you were you're just a job an actor really and you just you just you wait for the additions to come in and you go for them and then you wait to hear back and very often you hear nothing and then sometimes you 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 do you know so I'm very lucky to be doing a, a, a show that I love now and to hopefully go back and take a bit of time off and um we'll see sort of what, what army uh, army of thieves brings it would be lovely to continue that story um when I did another thing with Zach, actually, I did a, a thing that I'm really excited about for Netflix. He did, um, he's done a Norse mythology animation, wow, which we, which, um, which was really cool. So I got to work with Zach again on that, which we did in, uh, when would that have been February or something? So we did yeah. the, the voice stuff for that over a few days, and that was cool. He was on, you know, he was on the Zoom and, and, uh, sitting there in his office with Leonidas helmet and sword behind and I'm, I'm going, oh. you know, he's such a passionate, incredible, like uh, amazing director and how passionate he is about everything that he does. So that was really cool. But yeah, we shall see, you know, I think it's, I think it always comes down to um, the script and the character. And it, I mean, it really does. And, and whether you're excited about the project. So we shall see. And my final question for you today is not an easy one. I'm going to put you on the spot, but the oh. outro music to every single episode is chosen by the guest that's been on the podcast. And you can have any song, any piece of music, any song from a film score, whatever means the most to you. But you're not allowed to tell me in a week or two. It's got to be on the spot and what comes to the heart when I ask the question. So the episode is all edited. It's all ready to go out. I'm about to hit that publish button. What's the outro song that you want that means the most to you? In this moment right now, what jumped to my head was Under Pressure because it's always a go-to song when I'm just looking for, uh, I listen to it sometimes in the trailer in the morning, put it on. Um, and I just sometimes when I can't think of a song, I go, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite songs. So Under Pressure or Pressure. Incredible. I literally did an interview last week and as I was interviewing, we were talking about, you know, people that have had a massive impact on the world and we we're talking about Freddie Mercury and all this. And I was yeah. talking about how him and David Bowie, when they did that duet together for Under Pressure and they sing over each other. And I literally have got this recorded. I'm going to edit it later. And it's spooky that you said it because I was saying how not always people's vocals, you know, work, but the way that those two gel while Freddie's singing over the top, 
and you've got David Bowie doing these incredible backing vocals. Yeah. The hairs on my neck during those verses and that chorus when they're both singing is fucking unbelievable. Like, oh, I'm getting it now when you talk there's, about there's it. There's nothing like it. And that song and that breakdown when it comes back yeah. in and Bowie's exactly. singing is one of the finest moments of music. I agree. Three quarters of the way in, it's like three minutes in when it does da da da. Yeah, it's incredible. And I often like stick that on and you've got a couple of songs that you jump to, like you come in at six in the morning, the trailer and that, that's one of the ones. Um, my, a mate of mine um, was saying that there's a, you should look it up on YouTube or Spotify. There's, there is them doing it, but stripped back. So it's just the two of them. So they've just wow. taken their, their uh, vocals oh off God. all the background. And uh, it's mad to listen to because you know the song so well. It's just their vocals. Wow. Not and it's really cool. That'll give me goosebumps. I know already. Because here, yeah, it just the vocals. Their vocals God. isolated. Well, I really appreciate your time today, and you know, oh no, I appreciate you know, your time. Thank you so much. And I was so excited to do it and just chat. You know, um, it's lovely to be able to chat about something that we're both so passionate about. You know, definitely. And you know, the invites there to come back on whenever you want. Just follow it I'd up. Do longer. Um, have a beer, and you know, hopefully, if the world goes a bit more normal, we can do it face to face and just sit and do a couple of hours because that's when it really works. I'd love to, man. All right, well, I hope it all goes well. Enjoy the rest of the Thank you, day. dude. I love Thank that. You. Cheers, dude. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Stuart Martin. What an incredible guy. So full of life. So honest. And I think he has a massive career ahead of him. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have him on today's episode. As you heard us talking about Army of Thieves, this is now available on Netflix. I urge you all to go and check it out. It's a great movie from start to finish and I truly believe you'll love it. And if you do, let me know on social media because I love reading everyone's feedback from the stuff that I recommend on the Mark and Me podcast. If you've really enjoyed today's episode, I do ask one favour. Share this on your social media pages. It's a great way of promoting the Mark and Me podcast. It's completely free and just takes a couple of seconds. You can share it on your Facebook page, you can retweet the episode on your Twitter pages, or on Instagram you can share it as part of your story. Or just tell one of your friends about it if you've enjoyed today's episode. It really does make a difference and helps the podcast grow massively, and I rely on this, so if you've enjoyed today's episode, tell everyone. I do have a website, markandme.com. On there, there's links to my Facebook page, my Twitter, and my Instagram. So all the links are there for you right away. Also, I have a Patreon page, and this is growing rapidly. Everyone that signs up on Patreon can sign up from as little as £1 a month. For that, you're getting around six to eight episodes of Mark and Me every single month. Also, you'll get exclusive episodes. You'll get a badge, which is completely exclusive to Patreons. I'll also have competition prizes from the amazing guys at Last Exit to Nowhere. Also, Vice Press News, who in my opinion are the best company out there right now for anything movie-related for posters. Honestly, have a look. They're incredible. And each and every month, we'll have exclusive prizes from those guys just for my Patreons as a way of saying thank you for supporting the podcast. And anyone that signs up, the money you invest in the podcast goes right back in. It means it allows me to travel the country to do more episodes. It also allows me to host the podcast on a number of directories so more and more people can access it all over the world and means that I can get more episodes recorded, which means more podcasts for you guys at home. 
I'm not stopping anytime soon, and honestly, it's getting manic. Behind the scenes, I'm recording two or three episodes every single week, so now it's a nice time of playing catch up and getting them all out there for you guys at home. So I'll be back in only a couple of days' time with a brand new episode. So until then, thanks for listening, take care of yourself, and I'll speak to you all very soon. So slashed and torn
Pressure. Pressure.